Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Tao. Welcome to another episode of Bites of the Roundtable. Today, we're taking the first of many dives into the enormous topic of baking. You might be wondering, but Tao, what kind of baking are we talking about? Savory? Sweet? Microwave-based? Listeners, this episode is all about stress baking, meaning stress-induced baking. Those midnight muffins aren't just a nice gesture for the office. In fact, some may argue they might be a cry for help. Joining me in this topical dive is my dear friend and fellow stress baker, Connor, calling in from Washington, D.C. in the United States. Connor, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey there, y'all. This is Connor. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, Yeah, I am certainly guilty of stress baking way more often than I'd like to admit. When would you say the stress baking started? Because for me, I I think it started in high school when I would stay up late because I was a part of the International Baccalaureate program. And I would say things to myself like, hmm, might as well be productive with this time. Can't let people know that I've stayed up all night. What can I do? Oh, I could bring in something. That's nice. What am I going to do? Oh, cupcakes. Let's do that. Let's do that right now. When was your first acknowledgement, I guess, where you said, hmm, this is not just baking for fun. This might be stress baking. It's funny because it definitely started in high school, but I didn't realize it was stress baking until I got to college. Uh, When I was in high school, we had this club at school that was centered entirely around dessert. We met every Friday in one of the science labs, which is a weird place to eat food. And we would all just bring in dessert. So every Thursday I would be baking and I was just kind of with that excuse of, oh, I need to bring something in tomorrow, even though it was probably not just to bring something in. By the time I got to college, I started noticing, especially, you know, around exams, around midterms, anytime I had a paper due. I was off in the common kitchen in the dorms making cookies or brownies or pies or something. So Connor and I went to the same undergraduate university slash college. So the fact that he's telling me that he was cooking up a storm in those communal kitchens, I have to say, I commend you for that. It's quite the struggle. Yeah, Calvert Hall got a lot of use out of me. So what were some of the things that you made in high school, like some of the desserts that you were either known for or that you just liked to make the best. I mean, back then it was definitely just cookies and brownies because it was stuff that I could bring in really easily. Uh, I got really well known for peanut butter cookies until, you know, some people started voicing allergy concerns. So I thought, damn, maybe I'll stop those. I think it's incredibly funny that this sort of setting that you started the stress baking per se is kind of the opposite, if not the antithesis, right, of where you would find food. So you're talking about sort of science lab situation. I keep screaming in my brain like lab safety, no eating in the lab. Oh, I know, especially because I studied chemistry in college. So every fiber of my being screams whenever I think about it. Do you think from your experience scientists love their snacks as much as everyone else even in sterile settings i feel like if anything science people like them more because it is like that forbidden snack you can't bring it into the lab so you go out into the hall and cram your face full of food i also feel like it's very funny that you said you're also a chemistry person because another person that i know who loves to bake is a biochemist do you think that has any Anything to do with your love of mixing ingredients at all? Or is that just a funny tie-in? 
I don't think it has to do with my love of mixing stuff together. I think it has to do with how good I am at it because I'm used to measuring things and weighing everything and making sure it's all precise measurements. So when baking, you know, you can't get anything wrong. Otherwise it's not going to work, even if you get one measurement incorrect. So I think it's just why I'm good at it. What do you think is the hardest thing that you've ever stress baked or made per se? So this happened when I was in college. Me and one of my friends got way too into the Great British Bake Off, as you do. It's a great show. And we saw one of the episodes where it was cake week, and we thought we can totally make a layered cake. We can totally make a three-tiered cake in our college sweet. This is fine. It did not work, mostly because we couldn't figure out how to stack them without it falling over. Oh my goodness. I think Netflix has a show called Nailed It, where people try to kind of replicate their dessert recipes or any type of recipe. And I'm just imagining people trying to stack the cakes on top of each other and it also just melting into each other. And the structural integrity is just one big question mark the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Especially because we didn't have a good working fridge. So we couldn't like get, we made the icing, but then it wasn't setting right. So it was kind of just goopy. It was a great time. (laughs) How did you kind of tease out that this was in fact stress baking and not just you love to bake? I didn't realize it until I was living in a group house with three other people and three of the four of us were all stress bakers. And any time one of us had a paper that was really hard, or we were working on like our college thesis, or some big exam was coming up, they were just in the kitchen, just baking something. So we just always had sweets around the house. And it wasn't until I was looking at my two other housemates that were also baking, and I was like, huh, you guys realize you only ever do this when you're stressed? And they were just like, Connor, you do the same thing. And I was like, oh, oh, you're right. You and your housemates were just enabling each other for the joy of sharing sweetness and other treats. Absolutely. And our one housemate that didn't bake, she was just living. It was the best semester of her life. We spoke a lot about how the stress baking tended to happen around kind of an academic setting. So high school and then undergraduate education. But how about in your adult life? What sort of situations put you over the edge to start stress baking? So a lot of it would have to do you know, if I was doing job applications or interviews after college, that was always really stressful for me. Now that I am working and in, you know, my professional field, it's really just every time work gets overwhelming. Sometimes I'll be sitting around, I think especially with the pandemic and working from home, I'll be sitting around. I won't necessarily have anything to do for the rest of the day because I've already taken care of my job duties. And I'll just think, I've got some apples. I can bake a pie. This is fine. (laughs) Before I know it, I'm, you know, elbow deep in some flour again, or I'm making a last minute run to the grocery store to pick up more sugar. And then suddenly I'm I'm baking again. I can really relate to the fact that you're elbows deep in some flour because last week I was going through a lot of PhD related stress. So I decided 
<laughs> I was going to try to bake salteñas, which I may have or may have not discussed on this show before, but it's basically a Bolivian empanada that's baked, but the inside filling is soup. So it's a multi-day process of creating the soup base that's sort of gelatinous and then scooping it in, braiding the knots on the dough, and then hoping with all your being that once you start baking them, they just won't explode. Because I've been, I've made a few batches, and when I say few, I mean like 15, but they've definitely spent most of the time being scraped off the inside of the oven because they explode. Oh no. No, that reminds me, um, I think it was back in October, I was trying to make some cheesecakes, just cause, and before I knew it, I had just cheesecake slurry going up my arms because I didn't have a proper mixer so I was doing it all by hand. It was definitely messy business. What do you think is the funniest kind of substitution that you've done for a recipe? So perhaps you didn't have an ingredient or perhaps like you said you didn't have a piece of equipment that would make it a lot easier. Can you share with us some stories about that if there are any? Yeah so there was one time when I was trying to make cookies and I had to make them vegan for um, a couple friends who were coming over and I was just googling different vegan substitutes and one of the ones I found was applesauce and I was like cool I'll just walk down to you know the market grab some applesauce and we'll figure this out. Well, they only had applesauce in those little like toddler squeeze bags, like the baby food applesauce basically. And I was like, well, this is just gonna have to work. And I was cutting open these baby food applesauce things and just trying to squirt them into my bowl. And they were sloppy as hell. Tasted okay, but you could definitely tell there was something weird about them. I feel like in that situation, they would be incredibly sugar-free, so they could be very tart, or they could be over-fortified with some sort of vitamin mineral thing that they put in baby food or toddler snacks. It's very interesting. It wasn't sweet, like the applesauce stuff, it wasn't sweet at all because it was completely sugar-free. And I was just like, I don't know what flavor is this is it doesn't necessarily taste like apples i ended up just loading the cookies with cinnamon and trying to get away with it how do you think they turned out did anyone notice i think people definitely noticed there was something different about them it wasn't like a bad there's something different about them but it was like this the consistency is different here what's going on i'm like oh well they're vegan they're like oh that explains it yeah okay in my adventures of vegan baking there was one time during my master's degree where we had a vegan vegetarian brunch that we were hosting and I decided to be super exciting I was like I'm gonna bake some vegan banana muffins and I spent 30 minutes in a Tesco which is a supermarket for my U.S. listeners who might not know and I couldn't find flax seeds because they have something called a flax egg where you take flax seeds and you grind it up into a powder and you mix it with some hot water and it has sort of the same texture and viscosity as a runny egg, which I highly recommend if you're doing vegan baking. During the entire process, I was at my friend Dane's house and he was just like, 
what is this? What are you doing? It's like, I'm vegan baking. He's like, interesting. We love to see it. And throughout the entire process, I just kept tasting the batter and things were shrinking and they were falling over. But then finally we got the batch correct and they were a huge hit. So yay for pro vegan experiments in that way. See, I would have loved to have known something like that because I feel... Oddly enough, maybe flaxseed would have been easier for me to find. Apparently, applesauce is harder to find than I thought. I think there's just too much randomness that comes with varieties of applesauces. Probably. So now that it's kind of the winter holiday season, also the pandemic, everyone's stuck at home. Everyone's been trying new things. There was that whole phase with, what is it, Dalgona coffee. There was the sourdough craze. What do you think is the next big kind of stress baking craze for you that's coming up? What have you been thinking about making or dreaming of making? Yeah, so for me, I've really been working on my pie fillings this year. I love a good pie. In the US, we mostly do sweet pies like dessert pies rather than meat pies like you might have elsewhere. So I've been working on all of my fillings this year. All of my extended family is getting pie in the mail because we're not seeing each other. So I am shipping pies out. I'm mostly trying to work on my berry pies right now, but I'm also trying to get a good coconut cream pie going. And it's hard because I'm not good at custard is what I've learned. That is just too advanced for me. I like to think of myself as someone who knows their way around cooking and food and maybe baking to some extent, but I feel like every time I've made a pie, I've focused on making the dough look pretty as opposed to making the dough actually a good dough. Yeah, I I keep some emergency pre-made pie crusts in my fridge just in case my pie dough doesn't turn out well, because if I go through the effort of making that entire filling, and my dough isn't right, I'm either gonna use store-bought pie crust dough, or I'm just gonna be eating the filling with a spoon. And you kind of have to weigh your options of like, all right, do I just want to be sitting here eating what is essentially soggy blueberries with a spoon, or would I like to bake it and at least have it not be so sad? (laughs) Either way, sad or not, you've got a giant shot of antioxidants, right? So on that front, at least you're looking pretty solid. Right. So with all the baking that you do, especially dessert baking, do you eat desserts out often at all? Or do you kind of say, "Mm, I can make this better? Uh, Oddly, no. I don't get dessert too often. You know, if I go out and go to a restaurant, I usually don't get the dessert stuff. But I don't think it's because I'm thinking, oh, I can make this better. It's normally just because I eat a lot of the regular food and then I'm too full for the dessert. And then I get home, it'll be an hour later and I'm thinking, damn, I need dessert. And then I end up either going out and getting something or making something myself, depending on what I'm feeling. What are your favorite kinds of desserts? Could you list me three of your favorites? Oh, goodness. Oh, that's always hard. Cheesecake is always really high up there for me. I love a good pastry thing. If it's some kind of pastry dough and there's some kind of filling inside of it, I am happy. I also really like eclairs, though. Those are just always really good. And I'm horrible at shoe pastry, so I've never been able to successfully make them. 
but there I'm, I'm lucky that there's a little bakery not too far away where I can just go pick them up. Ah, all right. So when in doubt, there's a bakery to support exactly. you in that endeavor. Lovely. Yeah, it's really cute. There's like this little Turkish bakery and I go there too often. Too often. I think maybe the right <laughs> amount of times. We got to support our local businesses during this time, don't we? Oh, absolutely. So what would you want to say to our, our listeners who might be on the fence about whether or not they're stress baking or not? Is there a funny list of what to look out for if you're a stress baker or not? You know, I think the funniest thing about it with stress baking is don't worry about it turning out well, because at the end of the day, that's not really why you're baking. You're baking because you're stressed out and you need something to relieve the tension with. So I think just kind of find something that you want to try making. If you can find someone who's already done a good YouTube tutorial, great. But if it ends up an absolute mess, that's part of the fun of it, I think. So do you find most of your recipes through YouTube or are there other resources that you use? Either YouTube, lately a lot of people post on TikTok now, which is kind of fun. Like Baker's Talk is a great time. Other than that, every now and then I'll find some food blog, you know, just by Googling the recipe, but I don't like sifting through pages of like the pre-log of them explaining the story of it. So I honestly try and avoid those sometimes. <laughs> I think it is so funny that you're probably, I would say, the fifth person that I know when we discuss recipe hunting, they always say, I really hate food blogs. They have such nice pictures and they have good recipes, but why do I have to read two pages of your life story? I know. I think just put the recipe at the top and then do the life story part of it. Because maybe it is cool or maybe it is interesting. Or if you did a video to go with it, I'd probably watch the video. But I, I just want to know how many cups of sugar and how many eggs I need. I totally get it. So how many times could you give us a really vague estimate do you think you've stress baked this year? Because this year has been one long perpetual hellscape for me personally. So I'm curious to see how you might quantify your stress baking in terms oh of the whole God. year. This year, anywhere between two to five times a month, depending on the given month. In the beginning, back in March, it was definitely more like five, kind of lulled down in like the August, September, and then the entirety of November was one massive stress bake. I think that for the three weeks of November, I just didn't sleep at all. Yeah, pretty so. much. And I took all of that out in making way too many cookies. So if you could say that out of all the times you stress baked this year, what were the three top three times where you made something and you're like, this is perfect. This is great. I love this. Everyone around me needs to taste this. So the one that always comes to mind for me is th there's one cake that I really like making that's a peaches and cream cake and it just always comes out well. So anytime I really need something to come out well, I just make it and every single time I'm like, I am the best baker in the world because this is awesome. Another time that comes to mind though is it was around Halloween, like a little bit before, I was trying out this cookie recipe someone did online where they used pumpkin pie filling like in the cookies. And I was like, we're going to give this a shot. And it turned out really good. And I loved it. And I made the cookies shaped like little ghosts. It was great. 
that just makes me think of when there was this huge food trend. And I don't know if it's because all of the recipe blogs I've been looking at were in the subtle Asian cooking group, but people have been putting like mochi in cookies to create this very fluffy kind of interesting texture. Have you heard about this? I haven't necessarily seen people using mochi, but I've seen people using just the rice flour when they bake, and it definitely looks cool. And I mean, the videos look awesome, the photos look great, but I'm a bit of a chicken with trying that because I've got no idea how to work with rice flour. Are there any food trends that you've done this year in terms of stress baking or some that you've just avoided because you were saying like, ugh, that's not for me? I, I did avoid the sourdough bread thing because I just didn't want to have to grow the starter dough and I was like I, I just don't want to I just don't want to do it I don't want to I'll bake any other bread but if I have to start something in advance I don't want to I think it's super funny that the sourdough craze became so prominent this year because last year I went through a sourdough craze because I said to myself I go to this gastronomic university now I want to be worldly I'm gonna bake my own bread and I'm going to make my own pasta so I decided for no reason other than maybe it's going to be very hard I said I wanted to bake bread and it's going to be sourdough bread so I spent a few months just trying to navigate that I watched so many YouTube tutorials I created starters and I named them after my friends. Like the first sourdough starter I ever named was Jack, after my friend Jack who studies yeast. Like he's actually a scientist that studies yeast for his PhD project. And then after Jack passed away, not the person, the sourdough starter, I decided to create another one in March and it happened to be my friend Sean's birthday. So I just named it, you know, the Sean's and I would have this jar called the Sean's. And every time I would feed them some flour and some water, I'd be like, oh, okay, Sean's time for some breakfast and things like that. It was super fun, but the amount of stress that it took to kind of sustain the sourdough, it just makes sense that this became super prominent during the pandemic because people have so much time just to hang out and stare at their yeast. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. But first of all, rest in peace to your yeast. Um, but I, I think that's just it is I was already so stressed and I already use baking to stop stressing out. The last thing I need is for my baking to be the cause of my stress. That is totally understandable and very accurate. Well, Connor, thank you so much for coming on the show today to tell us your, all your funny stress baking thoughts. Do you have any last words for our listeners? Give it a shot. When in doubt, watch The Great British Baking Show. That's how I got into it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Connor. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey there, listeners. It's your host, Tao. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Bites of the Roundtable. It really means a lot to us. We hope you enjoyed these sound bites from a snazzy gastronome from across the world. Much love to Connor for sharing with us all his thoughts and stories about the chaotic world of stress baking. Listeners, whenever you're rolling out your third pie crust of questionable structural integrity at 3am, just remember... If it ends up an absolute mess, that's part of the fun of it. 